Live from the Watch Dogs Radio Studio in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Watch Dogs National Office in Springdale, Arkansas, you are listening to Watch Dogs Radio. Watch Dogs Radio is a production of the Dads of Great Students program of the National Center of Fathering. For more information, go to fathers.com slash watchdogs. And now, here's the host of Watch Dogs Radio, Keith Shoemaker. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Chris Dannenhauer, and I'm the co-host for Watch Dogs Radio. My partner, Keith Shoemaker, is, will be joining us shortly. Uh, he is hung up in that uh, famous traffic down in Atlanta, Georgia. Today is Monday, uh, the 18th of August, and it is rollback week. So we are, are gearing up at Watch Dogs. Uh, we will have a special guest uh, shortly. And uh, we are just uh, very glad uh, to be hosting this uh, blog talk. As I mentioned, it's Rowback Week, and uh, it is a uh, Monday. And we're going to have, a, as I said here, Keith will be joining us here in a few minutes. But uh, currently uh, uh, at this time uh, here in mid-August, we have a little over uh, 4,000 and, and 55 schools that have a watchdogs program, and we're in 46 states, and uh, we're in five countries, and we're about to add our, our 47th state. We're going to uh, play a promo, and then we'll be right back. Hello, this is Otho Thornton, the National PTA President, and you are listening to Watch Dogs Radio. A thoughtful discourse on work and family from Carrie Casey, author and the CEO of the National Center for Fathering and Father of Four, on today's Father. The roles and expectations of fathers continue to shift. With more moms spending more time working, dads are often expected to step in and do more at home. And that's not a bad thing. We're learning a lot about the juggling act moms have been doing for years. But it can be difficult when employers aren't on board with a father's desire to play a bigger part at home. Involved dads might put in less overtime or take more unexpected personal days. They might schedule their vacation around the needs of their family, not the expectations of their boss. Fatherhood naturally causes you to evaluate your priorities. When guys make it clear their families are important, in some circles they are labeled as less willing to work hard for the company. They are thought of as more distracted and less available for work projects. No man wants that reputation, so maybe they don't take full advantage of paternity leave or flex time options. The tension of work versus family has always been there, but the pressure is in increasing. Although I suppose young fathers today probably know it comes with the territory. One young dad left his company when his first child was born because he wanted more work-life balance. He took another job that had more predictable hours and pretty much guaranteed he'd have his evenings free. He said, 
I don't know if I can do this and become a vice president, but then I don't know if I want to be one anyway. That's the struggle so many of us face. We grow up thinking we can truly have it all, but there's really no such thing. We have limited time and energy, and having it all in one area almost always requires sacrificing something in the other. Dad, you probably know all of this, and I am not here to discourage you or shatter any dreams. But no matter how you're doing with the whole work-family thing, I do want to give you some perspective. Imagine yourself 20 or 30 years in the future, looking at your life from that vantage point. Would you rather have regrets in your work life or your family life? I won't tell you to get a different job or switch careers. Only you can really know what's best there. But I will say that children need their daddies. Research is clear. I hope you'll find a way to be there for them. This is Kerry Casey for today's Father. Children thrive when they have an involved father, and together we can create a championship fathering culture. We're here to help at fathers.com on Facebook or call 800-593-DADS. Thanks for listening, Dad, and keep up the good work. Well, good afternoon. Here we are on Rollback Monday. This is Keith Shoemaker talking to you live from the Daily Grind Coffee House in Kennesaw, Georgia. We had a little bit of technical difficulty, but we are now up and rolling, ready to rock. And uh, you got to hear from our uh, CEO, Kerry Casey, a little bit earlier than uh, normally we do in the program. So uh, it was good that uh, Chris was able to uh, get our problems figured out get that on board and uh, of course we always love hearing from casey well chris i uh i see you're on the line we uh we dropped the ball but we've picked it up and uh we're heading for the end zone uh, are you there oh yes sir hey i i appreciate the the host taking care of the co-host so uh <laughs> you know we, we got it figured out and thank you for uh getting back i told the customers about your atlanta traffic hiccup so i'm glad you're able to get all that traffic and get to the coffee shop man there you go. We are actually in the conference room of the Daily Grind Coffee Shop. Uh, of course, uh, if you listened last week, we had the uh, owner of the Daily Grind, Matt Sellers, on with us uh, talking about the program that he's running called Teacher's Lunchbox. If uh, if you want to have an interesting way to reward your teachers, uh, please go back and listen to that uh, that podcast, uh, which, of course, is available online at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash watchdogs. And uh, we are here, uh, Chris, I just got back from uh, seeing my good friends out there in, in uh, Las Vegas, out there at Nevada PTA. They had a huge summer leadership training at uh, Sierra Vista High School, had a chance to go out there and uh, give the watchdogs training. And that was, uh, that was pretty cool to get some new folks, some, uh, just a chance to see some folks that are excited about uh, getting the watchdogs program started. Uh, getting excited about ready to go and and i'll tell you um you know john and dave uh, we're going to get them on here again talking about their three-peat uh with the national pta male engagement award that the mp3 the male participation award i guess now it is mp3 because they've had a three-peat they've won it three years in a row and uh, it's just been amazing the work that they're doing they've doing out there and they are just still kicking it it is amazing i know uh, chris i know you've had a, a lot of chance to talk to those guys Oh, I have, and it, it is amazing to see the work 
that they they've done, and you know they they deserve the, the award each time they have received it. So, you know, I, I was just talking to a a school today down in Texas, and I said, hey, you know, if you want to, just you know, sell our insurance. I mean, our sell our T-shirts for about eight dollars more and cover your shipping handling and your and the sales tax you got to charge those guys plus the, the PT membership. And mm-hmm. she thought that was a great idea, just to you know, increase oh, yeah. the shirt yeah. a little bit more to to increase their male membership. Well, exactly. And then, uh, you know, it, people might think they look at it and see these guys have won this award three years in a row. You think they're the only player in the game. But, you know, there are 54 uh, congresses of PTA. They say a congress because there are some PTAs that aren't state-level PTAs. But there are 54 congresses of PTAs that are competing. And I know for a fact that uh, that Texas and New Mexico have uh, put on a charge, and, and I think Utah is going to be coming on, bringing on a charge here pretty soon. So um, hopefully we see that uh, that competition there. There's good competition there, and we hope to see that continue. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, and it's, like you said, uh, you know, uh, that's what you want. You want that competition to make you, uh, you know, uh, continue to strive and not be complacent in what you're doing to, to see what you can do to uh, to change things up, to bring in new guys, to get guys to, to sign up, like mom, to, to uh, you know, get a membership. Exactly, exactly. You know, our school, um, we made 123%. We made pat- platinum again in the first two weeks of school. So we're pretty proud, about, proud of that. That is. Oh, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. So... You know, Keith, I was just telling our, our customers, in, in case they didn't hear, uh, as of right now, we're like in uh, 4,055 uh, schools across the board. We're in 46 states. Uh, here pretty soon will be 47 states here when Alaska has their uh, their fall launch event coming up. So we are uh, okay. continuing to grow, and it's exciting times here. Good deal, good deal. Well, Chris, I, I do want to get to our guest here. I uh, had the opportunity here a couple of months ago, uh, th- actually at church, um, we had a speaker at, uh, at our church, and of course, Chris, you know my dedication and commitment to uh, supporting adoptive families and, and adoption, and uh, this guy, when he spoke, I mean, he really spoke to my heart and really got my attention, and I uh, had a chance to go and speak to him after church, and uh, we've actually connected on a couple occasions and actually made pretty good friends here. But I wanted to uh, bring Eddie on to the radio show and talk about his story and uh, his new book, Son of a Soldier. So I'd like to introduce um, Mr. Eddie Williams to Watch Dogs Radio. Eddie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Keith. How about yourself and your listening audience? I am doing good. It's always a challenge when we do live radio, and I don't do that many live in I won't say in studio guest, but uh, in coffee house guest. Um, so it, it's always a little bit of a challenge to uh, get the laptop set up and get rolling and get ready to go, but it's always fun. And, of course, for the podcast, folks, I can go back and edit it and make it actually sound a lot more professional than it really is. So, uh, so Eddie, thank you for joining us. Uh, I guess uh, the easiest thing would be to kind of let, let you introduce you, your background, to introduce yourself. Such an impressive story. Um, I'll just let you run with it. Well, I'm not sure if it's, it's all that impressive, but uh, I had the opportunity of uh, about uh, a year or so ago kind of look at what I had done uh, throughout my life so far and, and realize that the story that I've, uh, I've lived is, is unique. It's my story, and I, I put it in words. Uh, after several drafts of, of manuscripts, um, it all began really uh, about eight years ago 
when uh, my father had passed away and uh, I had to look after the, the, the affairs of my mom and dad and my mother had passed a few years before he did. And literally, I had to clean out my childhood home. Um, and a long story as short as I can make it, I had three piles at the front yard. I had a pile of things that I was throwing away, uh, a pile of things that I was going to give away to charity, and I had uh, uh, called several of them uh, a couple of weeks in, in advance. Uh, and then I had stuff that I was going to keep. And it, essentially, I at the uh, just before I was going to fly back after burying my father, uh, that night, um, and this was back in California in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, I literally was uh, staying at a friend's house who uh, put me up because they knew I was dealing with the, you know, some family issues. And I opened one of the boxes and found some interesting information um, that caused me to want to uh, write all that down, which uh, over the past year created a book that I call Son of a Soldier, which was a testament to my parents. Um, my parents had to literally get married in the city of Basel, Switzerland. My dad was in the army and in, in serving in Germany at the time, and my, my mother's a, a German. And they literally, and this may, for, for some of your listening audience, be, be kind of interesting or an unknown fact. Uh, my dad was from the state of Louisiana, and even though he was in the army, he had to do two things. One, he had to get the army's permission to marry my mom. And then two, they had to get married in a neutral country because at the time it was literally illegal for my parents to get married. Uh, my father's African-American and my mother's uh, German national. So that was a unique scenario. And I didn't realize that the document, that a statement that they literally had to sign before their, uh, their civil marriage ceremony uh, was in that paperwork until I was leafing through all these documents. And then I found many, many more things that I didn't know about. Um, and, and some of your listening audience might even uh, be aware that uh, when the, the, the generation of folks who uh, are a bit older than us, uh, they're probably in their 70s, 80s, maybe even 90s, uh, they didn't talk about much. My dad didn't talk about his service in World War II, and, and many of your listening audiences that have family members who served in World War II, the greatest generation, uh, didn't talk about things. It was kind of like grown folks' business, and we were little kids, so they didn't speak much about that. So I was literally able to find a whole bunch of things that my dad never talked about and, and put them in, in writing. Um, I found out... Um, a couple of family secrets that really oftentimes don't really happen until someone passes away. And then other family members start to open up and talk about things that um, they, they didn't want to tell you when you were kids. Um, another neat uh, fact that, that came to pass is my wife and I, um, 18 years ago, uh, adopted our son, Evan, and then uh, 16 months later adopted our daughter, Madison, which was an interesting perspective as well. Uh, Evan's birth mother uh, was a lady who lived not that far away from us, um, but she was traveling from Montgomery, Alabama, coming home uh, from a, just a trip to go see her mother, and she was pregnant, and she gave uh, birth at a hospital in, not far from where we live in Marietta, Georgia. And my wife, who was working at the hospital at the time in the operating room, happened to be in the, in, in the spot where she was going to be attending to this lady um, and now, the birth mother was traveling. She wasn't, it wasn't planned to be at this hospital. Correct. She was traveling from Montgomery, Alabama uh, to the uh, suburb town of Atlanta and went into labor and got that far, got as far as that particular hospital on that particular day at that particular time that my wife also had to be working on that particular day at that particular time. So um, God wanted that to all happen. And uh, 
bottom line is on, on that scenario, when my wife helped giving birth to this little baby boy, uh, as she was cleaning him up, the, the nurse and the midwife and some of the other uh, medical professionals in the room were kind of chit-chatting on the side, and, and my wife kind of said, what's going on? And they told her that the mother had just told them she wants to give the, the little baby boy up for adoption. And my wife was like, okay. And um, yeah, she raised her hand and said, I'll be happy to do that. Um, kind of an undercurrent of all that, my wife and I at that time had been married about uh, eight or nine years. And for whatever reason, uh, we, we weren't able to have children the, the traditional way. And so we, um, God put that lady in our lives. And literally uh, 16 months later, an, another um, lady was pregnant, and we were able to adopt our daughter, Madison. Uh, and this particular young lady was a high school a student who had the baby at home with a girlfriend to help her out. And it wasn't going quite well, and say, they... Uh, they had to dial 911 and go to the hospital, um, and we were informed and of the opportunity of, of potentially adopting another baby, and we did. So there's a, there's a lot to in that in that story. Um, I, I try and condense it for for your listening audience, uh, but I write about it in in some detail in, in my book, Son of a Soldier. I can tell you, uh, and and the details you've been able to give us today are just a few. I mean, the the book to me is fascinating. I, I had a chance to. Uh, read it. I, actually, I, I read it on the plane uh, on a, a triple, a uh, couple of trips back, and it's a, it's a, it's a very quick read, but it's a fascinating story going back to, to your life. Uh, you, you know, your your parents getting together, uh, your, uh, your high school career, your uh, going into the uh, military, and that that's you know certainly a fascinating part of the story and how you were able to overcome the obstacles that you were facing to get to the head of the class at, at West Point, which is, uh, which is amazing. So um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you, you mentioned a couple things there. The whole book away, but <laughs> no, but, but thank you for, for at least you know, sharing with your listening audience some of, some of the facts that, that come out. And, and, and I, I'll share this with you. Everybody's got a story. This one happens to be mine. In fact, uh, on the cover, I've got a picture of my mother and I, and I'm about three or four years old, um, just it's an old, one of those old pictures that we all remember um, in, from the 60s time frame. And on the bottom caption, it says, everybody has a story, and we all do, and this just happens to be mine. And, and my intent as a, as a military veteran, my dad was a veteran, my brother's a veteran, you know, we're, we're an Army family, and, and, and that's not to take anything away from the Marine families or the Navy families or the Air Force or Coast Guard families. Uh, but there's a unique perspective that as a veteran that we bring about in overcoming obstacles. And, and I say that because as a mixed-race kid that was raised and had to deal with issues in the, in the 60s, um, probably many of your uh, radio listeners um, can just imagine what it was like when um, a mixed-race family was not exactly uh, approved or, and, and very much frowned upon. And things that I saw, things that I heard, things that I witnessed, names uh, being you know, pointed at, being spat at, being called, all kinds of things under the sun, uh, hearing uh, you know, people uh, making all kinds of snide comments or, or just loud enough whispers where you could hear it. A, a lot of that perspective is, is what I wanted to share because there's a historical perspective. Um, 
1962, as I mentioned, my parents had to get married because it was illegal for them to get married, uh, and they had to go to a neutral country to have that done. That's significant because that's just one generation. That's not Civil War time. That's not turn-of-the-century time. That's not Reconstruction time. That's 1962, um, it, right there in the middle of uh, the, the American Civil Rights Movement and all that was going on at the time. Um, I was able to just, because of the mentorship of my parents, of, of dealing, of how they, they, they shared with my brother and I, what we had to overcome and how we would not let um, what I will call ignorant people, you know, those people who just didn't know better, um, because that's just maybe the way they were raised by, by pointing at people or, or, or pointing out how, how different they were and how inappropriate they thought, you know, um, a mixed race family would be. Um, but I, I didn't let that bother me. I did well in high school, was admitted to the United States Military Academy at West Point, uh, did well there. I did not graduate at the top of the class, but I did graduate. Um, uh, but actually, I, you know, the, the experience of that was very significant because of all the lore and all the history and all the tradition of West Point. Uh, was uh, was in the Army as an officer. Um, I became an, what's called an Airborne Ranger and Green Beret, so I did all kinds of wild and crazy things. And then, and then after my period of time in the military, uh, I've got, I got out and uh, started my own business. And um, over the last uh, several years, uh, have been a motivational speaker on, on a number of uh, what I'll call soft skills, uh, time management and productivity and team building and emotional intelligence and uh, diversity and all kinds of things that I think I can speak credibly on to, to share that with my audiences and with my clients in all fields, whether it's school systems or corporations or trade associations or governmental agencies. Oh, and, and I can tell you that, uh, you know, still, there's still plenty in the book that we haven't let out here. There's a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of information, a lot of uh, twists and turns. Uh, so quite a, uh, even though it's a, a true story, it's quite a novel. <laughs> so, I, uh, I, I definitely would like to uh, let people know that. Uh, well, tell us, how would somebody, if one, somebody wanted to read Son of a Soldier by Eddie Williams, how would they get their hands on it? The book's specific website is sonofasoldier.us, and uh, you can purchase it uh, online via, via PayPal on that site, sonofasoldier.us, uh, or they can reach out to me directly. Um, and that's Eddie Williams, E-D-D-I-E-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S, the number 49 at gmail.com, Williams 49 at gmail.com. Uh, I keep a, a quantity of, with me. Uh, I've got one here. Uh, should I need to reference anything from time to time? Um, but the website, sonofasoldier.us, has a, a, a brief summary of the book, the cover that I'd mentioned earlier, and a, a way of purchasing it. Okay, and then if somebody wanted to contact you as far as uh, as a speaker, they could get in touch with you the same way with that uh, Eddie Williams forty nine at Gmail. That's correct. Absolutely right, Keith. Awesome. Well, uh, Chris, uh, do you have any questions for Eddie? I'm going to have to relay them here because I don't have an open speaker. But uh, have you got any questions? Well, Keith, I had to uh, step away to take care of uh, watchdog business. Some of that came up during the call. Okay. Uh, I did mention that I heard him say he was a, I believe he said an Army family from an Army background. Yes, I sir. just want to thank him for his service. Uh, <laughs> but I did, I did miss a portion of his uh, conversation because I, I had to step away. Well, Chris wants to thank you for your service. <laughs> You're welcome, so, Chris. Well, um, we are moving along. Let's see. We've got about uh, about five minutes left here. 
I would like to talk about the uh, Watchdogs Facebook page. We've got uh, quite a few folks coming up uh, talking about their programs, how their programs are running. Uh, talk to uh, Let's see, we've got Clayton Thorne here. Not quite sure where he's from, but we can certainly check that out. He's doing a great job. Uh, and then, of course, uh, my good buddy, uh, Kurt, uh, John Kurt Kurtley, uh, posted a picture of me up there in the midst of uh, teaching my class out there. at. Uh, we were at Sierra Vista High School in uh in uh, las vegas so and uh i do have a question up there if you are listening we want to hear how do you listen to watchdogs radio i'd like to get a little bit of information how you uh, pick up this fine communications effort that we have here uh and just let us know uh, where we need to put uh, more of our effort uh, to the web page either live on the phone or uh, if you're listening in itunes so we would like to hear a little bit more about that uh, also, we're hearing from uh, Brandon Schultz in uh, Tifton, Ohio. We, uh, we've heard from Brandon before, so it looks like he's really uh, cranking things up, and we're getting ready. Uh, we've got some pizza nights going. I had a chance the other night to do uh, the pizza night over at uh, Pine Mountain Middle School. Had a great turnout over there. So, uh, And, uh, Chris, I'm sure you're hearing about uh, pizza nights popping up all over the country, aren't you? Oh, we are. We are, and uh, it's, it's exciting to hear, you know, uh, Spoke to a couple of schools last week uh, about their their pizza nights, and they were just kind of asking questions. You know, uh, you know, are you sure it's okay that we don't feed our dads like you know more than two slices? I said, yeah, just get them a little bit, just feed them enough to whet their appetite. They're there to learn about watchdogs, to sign that calendar. You know, they're really not there to go away on a full stomach. If they if they do, that's a benefit for them. But as, as a uh, PTA that's bringing this on, uh, and you're trying to uh, bring dads into the school to volunteer, and also to increase your PTA membership, I said, hey, feed them a few slices and get them to sign that calendar. That's the main reason for your launch event. Well, exactly. And you know, one uh, suggestion that I always had if they're worried, and, and people do run out of pizza. We always say that's a good thing. If you run out of pizza on your pizza night, that means you get a good turnout. But uh, I always suggest to them to get in touch with your pizza vendor and see if they will give you some uh, some coupons and, you know, one Definitely. free pizza or whatever. And then that way, if you do run out and if you've got somebody that comes in, they're looking for something, at least they're, they're not going away completely empty-handed. So that was just, uh, you know, one of the suggestions. And, of course, we do so many of these things. We get all kind of great suggestions from, you know, have everybody come in and sit down and put the pizza on the table rather than have everybody stand in line. But, you know, we also love to see those, uh, you know, pictures of those guys standing in line all the way out to the street, uh, which we've seen so many times. You know, I've got one. I was invited down to um, not Milledgeville, but uh, Eatonton, Georgia, uh, to go back down there. And, unfortunately, I'm not going to make, uh, make that one, but I do want to uh, give a shout-out to Amelia McMullen down there at uh, Putnam County Elementary School in Putnam, uh, Putnam County Primary and Putnam County Intermediate, uh, doing a great job there, and I'm sure they're just going to knock it out of the park again this year. Oh, they, they, they do, and Amelia's a, a great uh, uh, person. I had a, a pleasure to have several conversations over the past uh, few years, and Keith, he might have alluded to this. Maybe I just didn't catch it. Uh, woke up kind of early with the first. Today is the first uh, back-to-school day in my wife's uh, school district uh, where okay. my kids go. So, uh, you know, I got up about 5 o'clock uh, a.m. Eastern time zone just to make sure 
Everyone's ready. Coffee's ready. You know, lunch boxes are packed. Uh, but anyhow, I believe Amelia. I believe that this will be their fifth year. I believe. Yes, mm-hmm. Is that right? Their yes. fifth year. Yes, so yeah, they've been year. doing it for a number of times. So yeah, Amelia, congratulations to all the work you've done, and uh, good luck on your upcoming pizza night. Well, good deal, and, and welcome back to school, all the students in the Springdale school system uh, starting back today. We're in about our third week here. Uh, we get started kind of early here in Cobb County. So, Well, we are wrapping up. Once again, I would like to say thank you to Mr. Eddie Williams, uh, author of Son of a Soldier, who uh, joined us today and, uh, and relayed some of his great story. Everybody has a story, and that one's his, and we'd like to hear yours. So uh, next week, how about plan on giving us a call here on Watch Dogs Radio? Once again, this is Keith Shoemaker talking to you from the Daily Grind Coffee House in Kennesaw, Georgia. Remember, the only schools that don't have a Watch Dogs program are the ones that just don't know enough about us. Thanks again, and we will see you next week.